Yo, this is Inja right here representing for Valiant MC on the vocal podcast. Get involved, listen back, listen in, do your tuning, do your downloading, do whatever you need to do. Make sure you do you. Open up them earlobes and listen, listen,
Oh yeah. That sound you hear means it is time for another episode of The Vocal. I am Valiant MC, your host. And that first track was by Inja and Whiny. And it's the Kyrus remix of She Just Wanna Dance. And to be honest with you, I'm not really sure if I'm saying uh, Kyrus's name correctly. Or if it's Kyrist. I don't know. So, to Kyrist or Kyrist, uh, I extend my apologies for not saying your name correctly. And as my own name, uh, Valiant, is oftentimes beyond the capabilities of some people to understand. I should know exactly how you feel. Maybe I should have done some more research. The track underneath me right now is by the mighty Will Miles, and it is called Stepson. That's S-U-N. Excellent track. Everything that Will Miles does is 24 karat gold. On this episode, in addition to the feature interview we have with Inja, we also have a little discussion with MC Tell. He is best known for his residency at Stamina in San Francisco. And he has recently begun a series of collaborations with the Soul Deep Recordings crew. Uh, he's done a couple of mixes with Scott Allen already. Uh, he's going to tell us about how he rolls. He's going to tell us about a couple of tracks he's got coming out this month. And after that, we've got uh, we've got some more music. Directly after that interview, uh, I do play the Bellyman's Car Bars International Edition, which focuses on the USA, which is featuring track Armani Rain Dre Josiah Scribes Astro Bose and Zizo alongside myself uh, as of the time of this recording the video on Facebook has something like 57,000 views and about 11,000 views on YouTube so it's doing pretty pretty good this particular episode was delayed quite a bit I've got a lot going on in my life um, without going into too many details uh, my father had a, a tremendous health setback and that did occupy quite a bit of my time I normally like to get the episodes out roughly four weeks after I complete the interview uh, and this turned into nearly two months so to Inja I offer my apologies uh, hopefully this will not be such an issue again so without further ado, I think we should get into the chat I had with MC Tell. Again, directly following that will be the car bars, some music, and then the interview with Ninja himself, which is a great talk. Runs about an hour, 15 minutes. You get pretty in-depth. And the man is just this big, huge ball of positivity, and it's infectious. And talking to him is definitely an inspiring thing. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. So, let's go. This is the vocal. So, so what are you doing, and where, where are you right now? I'm in Minnesota. Um, my mother lives here, and my and this is like where my family's from. I'm, I'm from the Midwest originally. I'm from Chicago. I'm just out here because my my job that brought me down to LA just went under. So, in the next month, I'm actually moving back to San Francisco. So, uh, I spent my first days of unemployment 
at um, this beautiful house near Lake Minnetonka in Minnesota. Uh, all right. So, so wait, what was the job that brought you, you to L.A.? So so I'm a um, fine wine salesman during the day. So I was brought down as a brand manager for a for a canned wine company, which uh, was partially owned by a Universal Music Group as well as Anheuser-Busch. So I was working with Budweiser beer reps and teaching them on how to sell wine and then going into the greater Los Angeles area um, from Malibu all the way down to Long Beach and uh, selling wine. Hmm. And, uh, and on top of that, like because I moved to Long Beach, I met Scott Allen, who owns and operates uh, Soul Deep. As well okay. as uh, uh, Chris, who uh, owns and operates uh, Smooth and Groove Records out of uh, the UK, and from there got involved with Soul Deep. Like I did my first mix with uh, Scott in October. But being in LA was a great opportunity to get involved with Soul Deep and to do some more recording because before that I was mostly just a live MC through Stamina. And then, you know, my younger years of being like, you know, throwing renegades and underground raves in the Bay Area, you know, dirty warehouse vibes. So you, and, uh, wait, you weren't you weren't doing any recording on your own? Uh, no, I got involved with a little bit, but um, my, my mic skills in the studio were different. It's a different skill than, than live. I mean, live, you're, you know, you're hosting, you're toasting. And I was always like a lyrical MC. But uh, it's a different skill to kind of like know when to balance and and what the producer is looking for. But uh, Bad Syntax uh, hit me up about two years ago, and we the, the track that we did together, which was a lot of sessions and phone calls and Facebook messages trying to get it right, got onto uh, Close to Death uh, earlier this year, like okay. March. So do you uh, record yourself or do you go to studios and do it? I, I record myself and then I also will go to studios. So for the Close to Death one, I went to a studio in Emeryville that uh, my buddy Ricky Switch, uh, who is an engineer there, sat in and basically, you know, would do it and give me a little bit of advice as, you know, we, you know, you do like fucking 50 takes just <laughs> trying to get the one word right you know what i mean yeah um and and the stuff that i did with scott i brought my microphone set up over to his house and then he basically would sit right next to me and just bob his head and we would we would go back and forth like for uh the release that's coming out i mean that was a session that i, I recorded the vocals in like an hour I mean, we, we did it really quickly. So it's interesting to hear, uh, you know, I, I, the way you're talking about how you were live MC for quite a while and, uh, you weren't really doing a lot recording wise. And I, it's funny. I, I, I'm constantly telling MCs like you should be recording on your own, like whether or not you have tracks. I'm, I just think that like it is incumbent upon us, uh, as vocalists to, uh, take our destiny into our own hands in a lot of ways. So everything that I've put out thus far has been the result of, of really my own, uh, my own initiative. 
um, partially out of necessity because when I was retired from drum and bass for a long time, um, and when I came back, I basically had like no scene of my own. I had no one that I was affiliated with. Like it was, I was just on my own. And so yeah. I decided I'm, I'm just going to start trying to make these things happen. Cause this is what I want to happen before I'm done with drum and bass again, before I'm too old or before I have too many kids or before whatever, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I like hearing about, uh, MCs kind of taking more control of their, their career. I don't know if you can call us a career, but you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's a, it's a secondary career. I mean, I've, I've been in music since I was, uh, you know, four, like I was a guitar player. I played in punk bands in high school. Uh, I went to Berkeley college of music, um, for songwriting, singer songwriting. I was a guitar player for a long time. Uh, when I left Berkeley, I came home and then my buddy, you know, uh, he was like, he's a lifelong friend and I consider him my brother, my older brother. He took me to a rave and that's how I like got into all of this. So I was like around 19, 20. Um, and drum and bass was the, like the music that made me move, you know, like you go to those, you know, two, three room raves and the big room is the trance and everybody's grinding their teeth with hands in the air and then my buddy took me into like the secondary room and it was this small room and this dude was just playing like pure raga jungle i mean all the classics you know and i had never heard anything like that before um i i had heard like ronnie size and um you know ed rush and optical and stuff like that and i was like that's cool but the the raga jungle i was that's what like made me fall in love with the music because I was such like a stoner reggae head from Northern California. So (laughs) it just kind of moved there. But back to, as you were saying about like, you know, taking in your own destiny. I mean, I'd work, worked with other producers throughout my like quote unquote MC career. And it wasn't really until I met Scott that like, we just kind of clicked I mean, he really liked my voice and, and my, my writing style and what I talk about. It's great seeing, you know, American MCs starting to really step up to the plate and, and not have that, you know, that, that, that stigma that American MCs have, which is that we just don't shut the fuck up. When I first got to Stamina um, seven years ago, I was, I came from a underground rave crew in Oakland called Outlet. And, you know, I got to MC for people like Gridlock and uh, NC-17 and, you know, a couple of big headliners, but it was mostly like the local heroes, right? And you can, at, at those type of events, you can literally just be like, make some noise and everyone would go apeshit. But when I started showing up to stamina and getting on the mic, cause I was friends with Submorphix and Flocko and I knew Jamal and uh, Luke from the bachelors of science just from being in the Bay area. But I started showing up and Jamal took me aside. He's like, look, man, I, I know you got skills, but this is a totally different game and kind of explained on the real symbiotic relationship between the MC and the DJ and the crowd with drum and bass. And it took some time 
And definitely there were some nights in the beginning where I was still kind of reverting back to the you're, you're acting a fool up there because it's a, it's a different environment from like a rave underground thing and the club where you're dealing with the cream of the crop. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the UK headliners or the U S headliners or the, the international headliners that come through and you're, you're there with them to, you're just another, you're another instrument. You're not the, the, the thing in the shining lights. You're not the guy standing up on stage dancing and whatnot and yelling at people. It's, it's, uh, it's that communication between the crowd and the DJ and you're just like the, the voice of reason through all of it and yelling last call at, you know, one thirty. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's weird. It's great seeing in drum and bass now that especially with MCs that like albums are coming out because the culture is so much like, you know, a side, B side, or EPs, four songs, whatever they go out, and it's it just it's it's great to see albums again because I, you know, it's it, you put it on and you listen all the way through, and it's a story from start to finish. Like it, it, that culture of music is gone away in this you know age of the internet. Yeah, you know, it's funny though. I was talking to, when I talked to Colette Warren about this. Um, you know, she was kind of saying like. She brought up a good point. Like in a way, though, albums have have gone away for a reason, and not because they need to go away, but just sort of circumstantially, they they've gone away because people have uh, shorter attention spans. And so the 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 danger you run into with an album um, is people get bored. And so my and that's part of why I brought a, a lot of people on. Look, number one, I'm you know. I'm like, I don't really know how much longer I have in drone bass. I'm trying to leave some kind of legacy. I kind of regret stepping away from it for like seven years because I stepped away like yeah. sort of at the top of, of top of my game, I guess. And mm-hmm. I came back and I kind of started <clears throat> from scratch. And when I came back, I was very like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it's not about gigs for me. I really don't care about where I play or how often I play. Um, I'm more concerned mm-hmm. about leaving a, a recorded legacy. And so I knew I wanted, I yeah. want EPs, I want albums, mostly my own stuff. And now going forward, I'm thinking, you know, when I do EPs, you know, I did my first EP with one producer as a necessity because a couple other producers had sort of ghosted and dropped out and dropped the ball. And so I just rolled with these four tracks I had from Will Miles and that's what I did. And so I'm thinking that's how I'm actually going to approach EPs from now on. I'm just going to do you know, three, four tracks with one producer and that's how I'll do it. And it'll be me and the producer, you know, quality over quantity. So it's like, that. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you, but I also feel like, I mean, there's people in the drum and bass scene, like, you know, I mean the legends, right. Goldie, deep Ridge, like those guys have been around since the beginning, jumping Jack Frost. I mean, the list goes on, right? And there, I, I just don't think age comes into it, except for the fact that you know, playing gigs can tear you down in a way. I mean, the travel and everything—it's it's it's a aggressive thing to be out till all hours of the night, and morning. But I think your approach is 
it's, it's a beautiful way to do it because, you know, we only have a certain amount of time on this planet and leaving a legacy, whatever it is. I mean, whoever discovers it throughout time, you know, I mean, I still listen to freaking Robert Johnson records that were recorded in the thirties. You know what I mean? And it's like, music is so beautiful that way. So I think the way that you're approaching it is, is poetic, which is great because you're an MC and that's what we are poets, right? It doesn't really matter the age. I talked to DRS about this. He's, uh, what are you talking about? DRS is 21, man. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) But like we talked about, you know, the fact that it took, it took him to get to this point in life for him to hit, like really hit where the way he was meant to hit. And yeah, track took a likewise roundabout way to get where he is. And, you know, he had a lot of fits and starts and, you know, different beginnings to what he thought was going to be a different kind of musical career. And, um, and then you look at people who just have been sustained. If you look at, you know, Armani Reigns, he's managed to keep himself relevant the entire time. And by being a bit of a chameleon. Um, so people go about different ways. You know, you talk about these legends or whatever, and, um, they were fortunate to like make their mark early, early on. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of cemented their legacy early. And so everything that they do now is because it is coming from this person of legendary proportions, everyone's going to pay attention, but I'm not at that level, you know? So it's like, so what I have to do is make sure that everything I do is like up to a certain bar. Um, because I just don't want to waste time, you know? So anyway, totally. that sounds slightly morose. So let's, let's move on to the, <laughs> the, you've got two tracks coming out in, um, in August. So the first one you talked a little bit about, yes. it's the title track with Scott. So talk yes, about that a um, little bit more. What's it called again? Uh, it's called soul signal and it's actually, um, you know, kind of venturing out into a, new city and a new life with a lot of unknowns. Um, it's very stressful to, to, you know, uproot your life and move to an area where you don't know anybody, you don't know anything. Um, you're just kind of trapped in that place of unknown. The, the hook is there's a woman who's saying, um, the baby open up to me. And then I'm doing a call and response with her saying, Gonna find my own, gonna find my home, gonna walk this road till I find my soul. Gonna find my own, gonna find my home, gonna walk this road till I find my soul. Don't give up so easily. Gonna find my own, gonna find my home, gonna walk this road till I find my soul. My neck still dressing Sunday's best, but it's Monday morning yet. Keep it heaven sent. Smile with the misdirects. It's less of what I want, but more of what I expect. Repeat every word you said. Get lost in the moment, maybe end up dead. All I really had, something that didn't matter. My world became ill, my thoughts became scattered, shattered. Left out in the cold, scared of getting old, trying to unfold, shattered. Left out in the cold, scared of getting old, trying and so it's it's going back to I, I grew up listening to a lot of blues music and um and I mentioned him earlier, Robert Johnson, you know, uh me and the devil are walking side by side or 
I went down to the crossroads, got down on my knees. It's, it's that kind of like the giving of myself to try to find what it is I'm trying to do. And a lot of my lyrics kind of circle around this idea because I don't know, I've, there's a lot of times where I feel like I'm, we're just, you know, animals that are walking around aimlessly. Like we have no idea what we're doing. We're just kind of making it up as we go along. Right. And so that's what this tune really spoke to me as. And so that's what the lyrics are focused on, but it's a, it's a beautiful tune. Uh, Scott is a wonderful producer. Uh, Soul Deep is a wonderful label. And actually, as we're talking right now, um, uh, the next mix from Soul Deep, I do a series with Scott where I'm an MC on uh, the Sounds of Soul Deep uh, monthly mix. And so it's actually going to be released today. Oh, nice. Uh, so that, that'll be out out now yeah it's literally i'm getting a facebook message saying it's out now so <laughs> excellent excellent so so today is the third of august and you can find uh, that on the soul deep uh the soul deep soundcloud on the soul soul deep soundcloud scott allen soundcloud you can actually probably find it on the soul deep recording website as well mm. and you know okay. facebook instagram um it's there's links to it everywhere it's a beautiful mix we spent we spent uh about three weeks on this mix, uh, getting everything down. Um, I'm doing singing and all this stuff on it. It's, it's a, it's a great mix and a great label. Uh, shout out to Scott. Hmm. You there? Yep. Uh oh. That's all right. Uh, um, so the contrast you were saying, you like the contrast. It's great when there are multiple MCs and like I love stepping in and doing like hooks and letting the other guys kind of go and do verses and then I come back and repeat hooks. I really love doing that when there's multiple MCs because it creates more of like this sharing atmosphere, right? Right. It's it's fun to do that. But when you when you're sharing a stage, sharing mics, or there's two mics, and you have that contrast, I think, yeah, I like the contrast. It's it's fun. I mean, the, the DJs that are on the road and they're they're you know different city, but it's the same shit. Yeah. You know, they're seeing some friends, but they're mostly just they're they're tired. Some of them are jet lagged. When they when they have like two good MCs or three good MCs up on the stage with them, I notice that they have a lot of fun they're just they're, they're going like oh great like i get to do some other stuff here that they get to play like it's like a new instrument to them yeah so they're they're kind of like it, it's a it's a great experience and yeah, i think also on on you know recordings where you have like levels for example like those guys like you get all of it on there and it's it's fun to listen to yeah so let's uh t oh uh so talk about the other track oh, that you got coming yeah, out you, uh, with Icon B uh, correct yeah yes yeah so Icon B in the format music DMB um he reached out to me after I did my first mix with Scott he was like I like what you do and he sent me a track 
and um, I wrote this, you know, another one of those, uh, my generation or it's our generation is the name of the tune. And it's one of those, another introspective of kind of like, you know, what, why are you stagnant? Why are you doing this shit? Like the, the, the hook is, uh, is it selfish that I only write for myself, you know, uh, type of deal. And, just kind of looking at it going like, you know, we're all in this together. Like our generation is very, it's in a very interesting place right now. Seems like a new burden. The way I split the fever in my head to the anxiety of just laying down in bed. I worry and panic. Time to be asthmatic. So I can drop dead from all this goddamn racket. My voice be the one of reason A chimney cricket of sorts To see what Disney is thinking Don't like it? Not much I can do Then clean up the bullshit To keep the oceans blue So call me Atlas With the world on my shoulders A metaphysical lyricist Speaking verbs to dodge boulders Just another chain-smoking head case A rhythmic pessimist Using words to replace Difficult The world is very interesting uh, And... You know, some people say it's going to hell in a handbasket, and some people say we're just in a major sh- like shift mentally, and that's it's kind of what the tune's about. And uh, I'm very happy and uh, lucky to uh, be working with them, and uh, hopefully I get to go out to the UK soon and play in London with them, and, uh, and then go to Bristol and uh, annoy Benga. Excellent. Uh, awesome. so anything, well, uh, uh, anything, just, anything else co- like in the works besides the mix series, you got any other releases in the pipeline? Yes, I will be working with, uh, Scott for some more releases out on soul deep that will be going from, you know, fall through the beginning of 2020. And I will be back up in San Francisco, uh, continuing my residency with stamina starting September. And um, hopefully there is a tour in the works. Uh, I can't really talk too much about that, but um, once I do, I will let you know and we can Excellent. talk about that. Yeah, I'll check back um, again. That'll be cool. But, yeah. But besides that, you know, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, all my boys over at Stamina, um, the Respect crew in LA, Big Booty Bass crew in LA. Uh, you yeah, know, big, by the track. way, big, huge, huge, big up to method one. Uh, I just have to throw that out there. Uh, method <laughs> I one, love Jason. Yeah. Method one's been, he, I booked him way back in 97 and mm-hmm. that's how I first met him in person. And we used to talk on, on like IRC chat and stuff like that way back in the day. And like that dude's been, he's just been plugging for so many years and I don't think it gets nearly enough respect as a producer. And that guy is mind blowingly talented. Anyway, just thought oh, I'd throw yes. that out there. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, seriously, shout out to Method One, Jamal, Flacco, Submorphics, uh, Bachelors, uh, uh, everybody, the Colonel MC, Joe Mousepad, my whole San Francisco Bay Area crew. I fucking love them all. Um, and thank you so much, Valiant. This yeah, was uh, awesome. It was great chatting with you, man. Excellent. Well, we will, uh, we'll talk soon for sure. And I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted as the album developments, yes. uh, develop. We'll do. And also, uh, so, so real quick, I gotta, gotta say these things. Um, uh, our generation on format music DMB is being released on August 10th 
and uh, Scott Allen's LP on Soul Deep is being released on August 26th. It's called Soul Signal, and I'm on the title track of the same name, Soul Signal. Uh, and yes, please, you can get those. Uh, Format Music DMV is a Juno digital exclusive, and the Soul Deep is going to be on all digital platforms. Nice. And also lo- look out for the Soul Deep. Deep sound, the sounds of Soul Deep mix out and now August third uh, on anywhere where you stream music. All right, man. Well, cool. thanks, man. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely Thank check you. in soon about everything else. All right. All right, absolutely, man. It was a pleasure talking with you, dude. All Have right. a good one. Talk soon. Man. Man. <laughs> Attention. Attention. Please fix your posture right now. Fix your composure. What we got here is gang. This is us. It's really us. The U.S. Welcome to the States. We got Dre, Amani, Zizo, Astro, Rose, Valiant, Josiah, and Track. The jungle, let's go you could forget it if you ever think you're getting with the stellarness So effortless of liquid is my style Then it's venomous So enter this Chumping your vibe like nothing intimate Your sentiments along with your mind Drop through the sediment No settlements Cutting your words Call me the sediment I'm severing the rubbish And put it then I'm submitting them Solidified it gave it a try But it's pathetic man But y'all birds thought it was fly Because you're pelicans Next level, next throttle Flex model, fine mojo Climb dojo, grind local Charge rubble, shine local Horror on hobos when I stone throw Cold flows I start and then they fall to spill like Dorothy and uh, there goes that bark again that made them cats partisan They dying to be famous where we just made them honest And they lying on their pages with the truth Having arguments, I'm Zion, my evasion, not a rocket like a god I would like to welcome everybody to the wild wild You already know the West, so yes, it's going down Now for those that don't know me, you're rocking with the king From the true six to six, we're nine and all in between Don't believe me, ask about me, I'm that motherfucking man Doing what I wanna, when I wanna, just because I can Politicking with the bosses, Running with banditos I root for the villain All my homies anti-heroes You ain't hurt I got combat soldiers Ready for action And all of my soldiers Are ready for war We can roar Please don't make my suicide Squad kick down your door No tough cop This all real How does an officer Shrug on my body A natural leader Don't ever follow The king of the jungle With Kuna Matana So trust me homie You don't really want that beat You don't really want that war You don't really want that drama Quick when the hands like Dami Hana Eater MC Jeffrey Dahmer I put that on my mama This ain't about the fame This is about the honor Damn it I'm damaging again Like Anderson Silver My pen is clamoring ill as I said I'm searching for amnesty, panicking, never clever as record. Now I am panning this padded room. Assume that the flames you fanning are breathtaking. Planning the death takes a different mind. Take mine, mine is the sand. Me, I'm a higher level of anarchy. Market the beast, I market organic reach. Simplify, tempest temporary, we are separate. We rhyming again, I'm positive, and my mind fully sank. Cause time and again, that grind will ascend any kind of time. I'm shine with them, I'm a fine good at them. Let them lie, I'm telling my body, and then run a line to a tent. I'm a rise to a tent, like we're climbing the fence. I'm gonna try, second, any lies, and look up against my defense. And my defense, all this shots awesome. I can't see the dog taking off sheepskin. I let them all talk with a varsity pin. Oh, yo, we can. We answer the call when the target's ready. Hot bridge, we get heavy. Belly man, y'all know already. Just sign your 
Delivery bullies, it's a nightly routine I craft letters out on the block, that's why my writing's supreme They let me know in every show that they be liking the team That's dope and the spike and a fiend who's smoking right to the screen This from the center and back, for who invented the track I take it low and let it go, you know the temple intact That inner glow is when you know just how the mental will act If it's for show, sure, y'all never grow, y'all just lamenting the fact And recognize the true and living is presented through skulls It's memorized and recited while I be setting my goals Lost for master by pressure up what you get from the coals Leave it all out, all the feelings, no regret in my soul And no reprieve from advance, nothing to leave for a chance No second failing a glance, showcase the skill in the dance I choose to fail with the chance, disciple drilling the camps Y'all be looking for a letter, I ain't willing to grant Stick em, ha ha ha, stick em We ripping from all dimensions I hitting So don't be tripping, flipping the new linguistic And repping the junglistic These soldiers is on a mission, so don't be getting it twisted Spit at the rap of the fire They find the one that be bringing the flow Hit them off with a pop that top, the centrifuge is blown Better watch out, better watch out, running game up on the throne Clearing the rest of the sector If I catch you in my zone, zone, it's so on Beat you till you gone, gone, my word is gone It's so strong, it carries on through Babylon Now watch me get my battle on, swinging swords And dropping bombs, blade is sharp, just like my tongue the chopper block, his head is off Exclamation, no question mark Burn the set straight from the start It's going down, don't test the art We bless the West with hella heart Keeping the vision, we moving the rhythm And raising the bar with the flow Respect to the masses and my name is Big Rose Yo, national Both sides of the border Red light reformer Inside disorder Pen writing, fighting My insight to destroy Ignite your psyche by polar I warn ya I wanna say I did it all for the culture But let's be honest It's my legacy I saved from the vultures In apex, predators surrounded by Scavengers are rabbit your caucus while your heart's beating up ravenous. So what about all the haters and doubters, all the fakers and followers? Y'all too lazy to follow us. They feel the weight of these prophecies. I deliver what they shaking and shiver. I'm at the peak of my powers. But both sides of my duality hunger. But my battle heart and battery gunnery sudden running the thunder. If you wanna take this drum and bass crown, throw down like public enemy. You know I shut them down. I stay ripping it, rocking it off the top when I'm dropping it. Daddy with busting this, ain't no evil in wobbling. Haters stay watching them, they know they ain't stopping him Take off in a rocket ship, dedicated, ain't stopping it No waiting, let's get it, kid, you know who you running with Styling, we letting off, watching, he gonna miss I'm stretching, you working out, thinking he gonna diss Now you got a gun in mouth, thinking you shit and piss Snakes always wanting hits, with belly, we done with it We in it, we wrecking shit, you know we been stepping in The jungle been blessing him, working, you get it in Twerking, you sit and spin, jumping, commit a sin Heads up, will sever them, don't care who you better than I'm taking a left the skin, red dead when I aim again. Now everyone's blaming him. Rewind it and bang a shin. A rock man crowd. I've been on many stages. My lyrics are on point and connect like picture pages. My name is the 26th letter of the alphabet. But some of littered MCs ain't even got the yet. I bet. Well, I'ma set it off like this. I'm just getting warmed up. So don't come at me with no foolishness. Who is this? Exquisite lyricist that's putting heads to bed forever. Well, it's just. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Shout from Metropolis, Apocalypse and Devils, meaning I'ma bring the product, lift the sign of this, they help a fool around. At my combat, it's prerogatives, they fairly set them straight till it's obvious. The hobbyists with members looking deep into the soul and yet inside them, beating shivers from the cold. That was giving killer Johnny, they some killers, yet they frontin' like it's nothing like they are. It's whatever, too, we give them all the harvest. Karma, we deliver. I got dealt with the wrong cards, but I reshuffled the deck. Y'all got a lot of sharks swimming in this tough to respect. No point in bluffing with vets, this here is rough as it gets. If really recognize it real, then y'all got nothing to check. Unless you hold the pedigree, my goal is controlling energy. I understand the difference between opponents and enemies. It's Camelot for Kennedys, my hands have got amenities. You either do it splendidly, you're ending up offending me. Now that you all know what the message is, we can ease off the record list. You can come and hang necklace, unify like the rest of us. Everyone on the precipice, on reaching levels, best to live any do it so effortless. All it took was a text and shit, pen and pen and deep breath in this. It's as good as it ever is, honestly, probably better, kid. Has has not been a testament. MCs empty their cheese and hopes they leave you with reasons of the my label is meaningless. We just uh, once shit. again, it's the West Coast Rider, so electric, true love, wire, jumping fire, take you higher, burn a mic up, I'm on fire, saying do as I desire, it's the king, call me sire, no Jim Carrey, liar, liar, West Side to like fire. Yeah, that boy Andre, he on go, gassing on him, smashing on him, murder motors on, I know, in the VIP with your bitch, like a PIMP, got the crown, hold it down, that boy KING. Look a look a little shot, we coming in and then we hot Clearing in entire blocks, we everything you nah 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 Know your place and slow your roll, drum and bass is for the grown California born and raised, the new Don Dada's on the roll Did 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 do what Dada, symbiotic way we ride Complicated innovation, fucking with your nebula Check the vibe when I check the mic, step to me, you better check your sight Third degree when I'm murdering, it's a murder scene, it's my yeah. word of life For the crossing blue, so bored of crossing you Foreboding this war, and the wars are brought to you Standing over your corpse, yeah my words just slaughtered you With a pool of your gold I got more from taunting you While your body's still warm Gonna dig you a shallow grave Verbal potters feel But we know you're in a better place I'm betting fakes will do a double take When they wake up They see they've been left for dead All these fucking toys just fake fun Pull up with the action Lyrically I'm blasting In TX I've been gunny boy Never catch me lacking Shocking with a back fit Breaking all the glasses Your whole style is goofy But ain't nobody laughing Taking off your face though These junglers don't play bro Don't want it cause you lay low My crew will drop a payload Whole town will explode Killer from the get-go, freezing when the kid cold The city streets ain't for the weak at heart Cause I be rocking from Highland Hills all the way to Curtis Park After dark, don't keep caught slipping Hollow points be ripping through your chest Blood is dripping, man, you should've wore your vest Up test and see who is the best MC Be me, he who challenge see them die quickly And we don't need another fucking hero For real though, check the steelo I'm a raging bull like the Nero Yeah, yeah, you know what it is Shout out to the one like Belly Man. Coast to Coast Car Bars coming at you. Your boy MC Dre. West Side. Coast to Coast Car Bars.
with Ninja. Stay tuned. This is The Vocal. Pump up 
BC and Pat Fulgoni. Pat, I don't know if I'm saying your last name correctly, but London Electricity said your name like that on one of the podcasts, so I'm going to go with it. And this track is called Think You Know. Love it. Listen close. This is the vocal.
again, that is BC and Pat Holgoni with Think You Know. And coming up next, we've got Zero T and Steo. They just recently released a really brilliant EP together called Can't Hide. And they also just put out a fantastic mix on the uh, podcast number 84 of the Sun and Bass podcast. Pat and Steele are two of my favorite vocalists working in drum and bass right now, and I definitely hope to have them on the podcast in the near future. And uh, I definitely hope to be making tunes with them at one point in the near future as well. We shall see. In the meantime, open up those ears, open up that mind. This is the vocal. Yo, this is 
E-R-A-C, and I'm sharing that with Varian right now on the Vocal Podcast. Podcast. So this one is by Soul Structure with Paul S.G. and Track. And it's called Inner Vibes. Came out, I believe, last year. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that Track was my most recent guest. He's a really good dude, and he has a really interesting story. Not to mention he's a fantastic MC. So you should go back and check that out after you listen to this episode. Yeah, this track I am definitely feeling. Uh, it's been one of my favorites for a while. So let's check it out. And you know it. This is the vocal. So real in the premonition I can't believe what you can see from a forever distance Intertwined with the mind, what's connected, spinning And the vibes start to climb, it's an effort driven Through a coast, coast, through a few views High enough, lifting, lifting as the crew Poetic in a sense, you never see this shit It's divine and design, but you gotta listen to clueless Discoveries made with the explorer Lots to uncover, plenty roads to structure Many modes to function Exploring through pressing buttons Dodging all rhetorical, something like the oracle In the violin just before you release your own wrath To a world that awakes you, age of dudes Striving for excellence of what is presented We're all endeavors to met, but here's where it interludes Listen. 
Inner Vibes, the vocal stylings of the one and only track, T-R-A-C. Into this next one by Severity, featuring Astro out of Texas, also a car bar as you heard earlier. And this one is called The Journey. Love this one. So let's listen close. This is The Vocal. The sun will shine again. Journeys are never easy. Severity Zero, MC Astro. Let's go. I live my life, yeah. Breathing fresh, yeah. I'm so thankful. Waiting for the sun to shine. It's always a journey. I must keep pushing. One step at a time. Jungle is no need to ask why Do it like whoa, in it like bo Step into the rhythm, let's party for show Music from my soul and I'm never letting go Show a little love cause it's good for the globe The planet rotates and we all in the yoke From the desert to the mountains that's covered in snow We will always wait while the sunrise glow Everything will be okay, just go with the flow Keep it real every day, that's word from the stroke And severity zero Severity zero I live my life, yeah Breathing fresh, yeah So thankful Waiting for the sun to shine It's always a journey I must keep pushing One step at a time Waiting for the sun to shine I live my life, yeah 
again, so every day's a new day. Waiting for the sun to shine. Things will change. Enjoy the rest of your year. MC Astro, Severity Zero. Get it go. Yeah, yeah, this is DRS, Broken English Gang Manchester for life. And you listen to Valiant MC on the vocal podcast. Cheer, 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 cheer. When all said and done, you're gonna quote these words. Quote these words. You're dealing with the monster. When all said and done, you're gonna quote these words. Quote these words. You're dealing with the monster. When all said and done, you're gonna quote these words. 
these words They defiant to these liars and provoke these hurt If you talk truth you know you won't be first But I gotta spread love because they hold these cursed My ocean gotta flow to make your boat reverse Alone I cause commotion make your old scene burst You're showing no devotion so there's no desert You're dealing with a monster make your cold dreams worse that there is no mistaking the legendary DRS. Alongside Alibi, love this track. It is called Said and Done. It's one of those tracks that fits any occasion. Up next, we've got Will Miles again. There's a track he did with SoFi, and it's called Cutter. I really dig this track. SoFi's vocal performance on this is blazing. So check it out. This is the vocal.
This is Inja, and you are listening to Valiant MC on the Vocal Podcast. Wrap your ears around this thing and listen to Brechin, yeah? Yeah, last tune before the interview with Inja. This is from his Blank Pages LP last year. It's entitled High Water and produced by Nun Decay. After the interview, you can hear the latest from Inja and Benny L. It's entitled Vanta Blacken. And it is a heavy-duty mother. A big thank you to all the listeners. Hope you enjoyed this one and enjoy the interview. I'm signing out. This is Valiant MC, and this has been The Vocal. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool in a cyclone, trying to find my way home. I rise with the tide, so I'll kiss the shore and then go. I'm caught in a cyclone, trying to find my way home. I rise with the tide, so I'll kiss the shore and then go. Yeah, we you get lost, caught in the eye of the storm, and we don't really find out the cost. Till it dies down, then we work out and see what has gone. Hands bare, there's no love there, it's so unfair, someone's crossed, so gone. Powers down and all cropped Dark angels are cost Paths lost and crisscrossed Maps burnt and then tossed Demons warring cold frost Tents stuck in tight knots On tight ropes I ask God's lag Where you at? If you're out there watching you crap Could've suffered down there Proves you know where about If you were you'd attack Adapt Change the game and give back Reward blind faith in that Is it only me asking for that? I don't think so well perhaps I just talk to myself Cause there's no one else I can really talk to from a chat A long wolf hunting for fat Or sustenance to format Nourishment no more gaps Full plates no more scraps Cyclones pull back Their truth is spinning and smashed I'm cool in a cyclone Trying to find my way home I 
Let's here. Let you know what. Let's just get into it. Um, I have uh, read a couple of interviews with you, and of course, I listened okay. to your uh, podcast with uh, London Electricity when you signed. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody so, I forget about all these things, bro. So, well, I did it because you know I don't like to ask a lot of questions that were have already been asked. Yeah, of course. So, um, I like that. but basically, you know, y- you talked uh, at length about what has gotten you into music. But I kind of want you to do it again, and I want you to talk about not just the type of music that you grew up listening to, but Mm -hmm. uh, particular records or particular memories. And I bring this up because Mm -hmm. I woke up this morning, and the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to make a playlist of some of the stuff Mm -hmm. that I grew up listening to because of my parents' record collection. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about different memories all of those things kind of bring with it. So my parents, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they didn't go out a lot. But they brought friends over all the time. And so holidays and stuff like that, there was always music playing. And I have very distinct memories of that music. So I want to know if there's... It's hard to go out once you've had kids. Oh, exactly. They did like the the whole idea of like staying in and and it was their most comfortable space. You know what I mean? So... Of course. And and of course, their their records were there. So I want to know if there are are certain memories for you of... The music you grew up listening to with your family and stuff like that. Well, um, uh, well, well. To be honest, I just remember being the kid that used to have to um, sit by my dad's tape machine and record the radio. I don't know, like there wasn't many specific songs because it was just it was just always radio. Or in the car, it would be I would be listening to sound clash tapes. So like, so like anyone that knows about the reggae culture, if you don't know about the reggae culture, there's a massive sound clash culture, and basically it's where you get like three or four different sounds in one building and they go head to head to battle it out to see who's got the best dub plates the best tailor made the best tailor made songs so they take popular reggae songs and then they get the artist to redo it 
but they'd get them to kill a, kill the opposite sounds um, with the same song. So, like, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd get the artist to rewrite it in a way that it turned the song from a beautiful song into an absolute weapon. So, so like my 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 main childhood memories of music is literally being the kid by the tape deck, recording the radio, and I had to record the radio, but I had to press pause any time there was any talking because my dad just wanted the songs. You know, whether that was David Rodigan, whether the, whether that was like the local radio stations that played reggae. You know, there was there was lots of them, but um, that was one of my jobs. That was my first childhood job <laughs> to have anything to do with music. Was I was the kid by the tape deck, and yes. Now, and did I, you that was, that did was you have to record the tape? Did you have like a separate tape deck from the radio, or was it the same unit? It was all separate. Yeah, because when I was, was a kid, I used to have to put the tape deck right up to the radio. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that. It was all connected. So the tape that could record directly. Okay, yeah, so you're it, lucky wasn't, it wasn't connected like that. He had it all connected. So it was like, yeah, that was my job. And then like, I definitely remember one of my uncles. He always had, um, Bob Marley's legend album, um, that I always remember listening to around his. But then he also had Prince. I don't know. One of the Prince albums. I was really little, but it was like, it had the tune Get Off on it. I remember that. That was like one of his favorites. So like, so like there was them as definite significant albums but and then and then for me personally i think the first album that i ever got was michael jackson album um it was bad i got it a little late but that was the first album that i got then there was the other one after that well, i can't remember what it was called but it was like the big multicolor and it looked like a massive circus on the front of it like, oh yeah I kind of blanked him off my memory to be honest um dangerous that's what it was called um there was them albums and then that was sort of like me first delving into music and then like my first personal purchases was um the prodigy it was just this mad new music my older cousins um they would then play me these 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 tapes of just this maddest music ever and then the prodigy and sort of like the dance music around that time that were the ones that really really stuck out for me but they were like the guys that i wanted to buy that record after i heard their songs i was like i i have to buy the records so like so like yeah i went out and those were like my first proper purchases and then and then you know i was a naughty boy in it so flipping um and there weren't that much money around and god i'm sorry mum and dad like you don't have to edit this out but I used to go and rob the local shops and rob their tapes and their records. I robbed Biggie's album, Nazi's album, Cypress Hill's album. I had a whole massive hip hop collection. Biggie's first album, Nazi's first album, and I'd probably say Cypress Hill's first album. I loved the one with hits from the bong. That's what got me into Cypress Hill. But then when I went back and I found their first album, that, that one killed it for me. Oh, man. the I loved first that. album was amazing. Oh, mm. that was a great album. It was brilliant, you know? So. So I was this kid that used to go and rob tapes and rob the record stores. And then um, because no one my age actually liked the music that I liked, because I'd, I moved from Luton to Cambridge and in Luton, it was very like everyone knew about all the underground music. So everyone was like, all of the kids were into hip hop. They were all into dance music. The older ones were into rave music because that's what the older ones were doing. Us younger ones were into more dance music because we had no more hip hop because we had MTV. And then when I moved over to Cambridge um, as a young teenager, None of the people my age knew anything about the music I was listening to. And they all thought it was weird and they didn't like it. It was different, like, because Cambridge was very different. Like, Luton was definitely more, um, I don't know, Luton was more multicultural. And so there was a lot more culture going on in Luton. And then in Cambridge, it was very much, I was one of the few, I was one of three or four black people in the school that I went to. So, like, yeah, everyone's taste was very different. But then there was, like, a sixth form at 
my school and a sixth form is basically like a college for 16 to 18 year olds so um i ended up hanging around with a lot of them because they heard the music that i was playing and they were like how are you getting this how do you know about this and you know they loved the rave tapes that i'd steal off my cousins um they all liked the hip-hop and they all liked the dance music so i ended up hanging around with them a lot more than i did with the people of my own age just because we had more musical things in common I used to as well, I used to go down to London um, to visit my grandma in East Ham and whether it was a family trip or whether my mum and dad would send me down for the weekend or in the school holidays, my aim was to go down there and record the pirate radio stations. So wait, it was your, um, that's, you said it was your job to record the pirate radio stations? Well, I made it my job to record the pirate radio station. I made it my job as a kid to go and get the freshest music and and bring it back so I could have the freshest music to listen to. But also as well, that worked me wonders with all the older kids because they would be because they couldn't pick up the stations where we where we lived. Oh, okay. Um. So so I would go and like you know it'd be like um, where do you live in America? Uh, well, actually, I'm a- I actually living in Canada right you're now. But... Shit, you're Canadian. You're no, Canadian no, I'm American. American. I'm American, but I live in Canada now. Okay, so like it'd be like back in the day, like you know, because because what is it now? Hot ninety seven. That's one of the biggest stations, but that only has a certain broadcast reach, doesn't it? Right, right, right. So it'd be like someone having family in in the area that you could pick up Hot ninety seven and then going to that area to basically go and record Hot 97 to take it back to where you couldn't pick up Hot 97 to play everyone what the latest shit on Hot 97 was like. Do you know what I'm saying? That was like that was like the equivalent. Those were me as a young person wanting to be around music and just wanting the latest sounds. Just just like it's frequencies, man. Like we all love frequencies and they all resonate with us in certain ways. And those were the frequencies that definitely got me. So it was like, you know, reggae was something that I've always listened to back from flipping from my from I can remember always reggae records being played. I don't remember exactly what records just because it was just always there and and it was it was more of the adults thing than it was of my thing sort of thing because those were the adults in it and you gotta like you know you have to do what they say so the hip-hop and uk dance music was really the first times i found music that that like i could class as my own sort of thing because we all want ownership of things and like whether you've got your favorite song or album or favorite playlist or whatever it would be you you consider that playlist to be yours because that's what makes you feel nice and you and the frequencies resonate with you whether it's the words in the songs or just the frequencies from the sound so yeah like for me it was definitely it was definitely hip-hop being a young kid and and then um and and dance music uk dance music it just did it for me because it had the reggae influence and that was probably one of the main underlying things that i really liked about it like the more heavier weighty dance music that was what i was into well the first time i heard your album the very first track to me i immediately thought i'm wondering if this is a bit of an uh, a bit of a homage to the music that you grew up listening to because yeah, yeah definitely man. that's like some early definitely, 90s man. early 90s rave business it's 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 like yeah you see now you see it as early 90s rave business i see it as definitely some of that but also like our take on um hip-hop as well oh definitely because, um, yeah it was always the older cousins all playing all of that stuff because i was i was young compared to them but um that that intro track on my album that really reminded me of like the old school hip hop where it was up tempo yep. you know like your Rakim style your Big Daddy Kane style man like you know don't even get me into that argument between like them two because I think they're both 
like oh amazing. rakim rakim there's no discussion but that's but that's your point of view from my point of view <laughs> rakim was like the technical god but kane just had flow and swagger yeah, and was still true. just as techers like Very they're true. both like like to be honest like that would have been a pairing like if them two had had ever done an album together in them times i think they would have closed everything down Definitely. Like, that would have been like, you know, I know they were busy at war, but not at war against each other, but they were basically their arch nemesis or whatever you want to call it. But like, for me, yeah, them guys there, like, that was, that was the stuff as a, as a very young ninja. That's what I was sort of, that's what I was around. I think, so I think, I think Big Daddy Kane got slept on a little bit though, because he was kind of had that, that ladies man image. You know yeah, I mean? which, so. which everyone else ripped off. Everyone, everyone else ripped off. True, but it kind of like, like excluded people from like the best rapper conversations. I mean, for the longest time, people wouldn't even acknowledge LL Cool J because of I Need yeah. Love. You know what I mean? It was like. Yeah, 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 of course. And LL done some tunes though as well. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Like, <clears throat> like, you know, his verse on the flipping flavor in your ear remix was always one of my favorites. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, damn, man. Like, man just came in with style and swagger. But, um, but I suppose, like, you know, that had that in, that in my early life, like, all of them sort of sounds, that had a massive influence on me. But then also as well, like, um, as I got into my teen, teenage years more, I, I actually found UK hip hop, you know, I, I wasn't the first person to discover it, so don't quote me like that, but like, as a, as a young person listening, I found out that there were people in my country that were making uh, music that I already liked from abroad, but they were actually using our slang and, and our terminology. And like, you know, they were really like, it just, it just made me happy because it was, it was us sort of thing. Like, you know, I don't know how that sounds. Oh, no, you, no, 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 absolutely. Was, that's how it was. You know, it was like, the same thing probably when like whatever your hometown is but if anyone made it big from your hometown it's like yeah we support that because that guy's ours when i when i eventually found uk hip-hop that was london posse i remember hearing them when i was really really little but then i didn't hear much of them after that but then i found roots maneuver roots maneuver took me to black twang took me to skinny man took me to task force took me to Mudfam, took me to berry crew took me to fire life cypher like them guys um were as i was growing up like those those were the hip-hop guys man and like those were the guys doing the music that i loved but with our slang and terminology and just talking about things in our ways and talking about locations and places that we all knew so uk hip-hop definitely had a massive massive influence in me because because that's that's probably what taught me how to write more than anything because prior to that I remember my, my, my recollections of UK hip hop was people from the UK wanting to sound American, which, you know, is a massive respect and ode to that in itself. But at the same time, it's not very representative of what was here. And then once I found the guys that sounded like me or I sounded like, once I found the guys that I sounded like actually making music and records, then that took me in a whole new wet place. Cause I was like, wow, we can actually do this. And like, yeah. You don't have to rap with an American accent because that's one of the things as well, like coming from the reggae background that I had, even the British reggae, they still had a British terminology to them. And yes, they would still mix it with the patois, but they'd also, they'd also mix it with our slang and our culture. So there was always like a heavy element of uh, the UK being represented, which is why I really liked UK dance music because when I did hear voices over the top of it, 
they weren't sounding American. They sounded like us. Right. So I think, so, so, so I think that's probably like a massive like thing to it. Um, of, of why I loved it because apart from the fact that it was these new crazy sounds that no one had heard that was being made by us, the people with their voices over the top of it, they were us again. So it was like MCs like GQ, Bassman, Stevie Hyper D, MC Shabba, like them guys were like some of the first guys that I actually heard and MC Dynamite, Dynamite MC, them guys there. They sounded like, uh, I sounded like them and they were on radios. They were on tape packs. Like, you know, yes, there were songs with them in it. And I think that opened my eyes and I actually fell in love with UK dance music before I did with UK hip hop because I didn't actually know about UK hip hop at the time. The dance music was the biggest thing. It all, it all just turned into a massive mix and blend of, of just celebrating our voices and our sound. Cause that's, cause that's what I always loved. It's interesting because over here, um, yeah, I can't speak for Toronto. Toronto's a different, uh, a different animal altogether. It's got such a big yeah. West Indian population that their experience is totally yeah. different. But in the States, we all discovered hip hop first. I, I didn't go to my first rave until 94. And I think by that time I was 19. And <laughs> so like, you know, raves and dance music was a new thing. We kind of had, you know, uh, Crystal Waters and some of that kind of stuff, that very commercial yeah. house music. But yeah. then raves hit and then we discovered, we all discovered jungle and drum and bass. It's funny that you bring up the whole accent thing and the, uh, the lingo thing because I remember the first time I heard, uh, Conrad, he was rapping yeah. the way, I mean, granted he sounded British, but he was rapping with a cadence that was similar to American hip hop MCs. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you can MC to this without, you know, trying to sound like you are either a Yardy or like you're from yeah. London. And so that was yeah. kind of like one of those, for a lot of people over here, that's a mind blowing thing because there's all these, these kids trying to put on these fake accents for a long time. And it was, yeah. uh, mm. you know, but that's just it though. The, the sound and, so it and, and both and, ways. It yeah. Both yeah. Ways completely. Yeah. The sound and you lingo know, and stuff like that, like was so monumental when it hit. That yeah. it created this whole like kind of generation of early MCs that were sound trying to sound like British MCs. I remember talking to uh, the the first big American MC was Dub Two, and he right. he says I was just ripping off Rhyme Time. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. No, but no, but that's it, you know. And like with people like Conrad, with you here in the American cadence, that's because he's he's he, like you know you guys are older than me, but like that's because he he would have been influenced by U.S. hip hop. Yeah, he would have been absolutely. fully influenced because, because that was a thing. And he would have probably been around in the eighties busting the dances with the haircuts and the jackets and all that <laughs> shit. Like, every, but the thing is, everyone else was like, it didn't matter what country you were in. That's what everyone was doing. So it's like, actually, like no one even batted an eyelid that he might have like had the cadence of that because it was just, that's what, that's what we knew. And, and yeah, like, you know, all of them, man, there, they showed that you can, you can flex any styles that you like over the music as long as you sound authentic to you. And also as well with Conrad, he was there at the very earliest developments of all of this stuff. All of these guys that, that like I've mentioned, including Conrad, they were all, they are all the foundations yeah. of this. Like I am a flipping, I, I get to stand on the shoulders of these giants. Yeah. And the thing about all these giants is when they were, when they were little, everyone has to take an influence from somewhere. Like, you know, you, you take, you take your influences and then you start to make things your own and then you hone your craft and then you make it your own. 
And like, yeah, like for him, I, I didn't even clock that he had the cadence that you noticed. To me, it was just like, oh yeah, that's our voices doing right. those styles. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even clock that. Now thinking about it, yeah, you're probably right. But then that's also taking into example everyone's influences. If you listen to any of the stuff that I voice, you can, you can definitely hear that I love various styles of rap and various styles of flow, but you also hear that I have a massive reggae influence as well. Oh, definitely. And then, and, and then you'll also hear that I am a kid of all of these flipping, like all of these giants and gods that I get to stand upon. It's, it's, they're all of my influences. So like, you know, when you mention people like that, you have to look back at their influences and how, and how they got to be who they are. Because, you know, we all, we all catch vibes from somewhere. When I'm going to a show and I'm really excited, there are certain musics that I'll put on. Like I will listen to Capleton. I listen to him, him, like I find sets of him live from the nineties because that's when I was a little kid and that's what I remember. So like, I like, you know, it always gets me gassed. It still gets me gassed to this day. <laughs> like he is, he is the, he is the undisputed fireman and he is the champion of vibes as far as I'm concerned. But also with him, you see it, like his complete versatility. So he does the, he can do the really hardcore dancehall, but he can also do some really nice, beautiful, cultural and mystical, um, songs. He can also do the, the party songs, like, you know, every flavor they, he can jump on. And I think people like him have got just as much influence over me as have all of the, the dance music gods that have come before me. So when did you, when did you first pick up a mic then? Well, I first properly picked one up probably around, around my friend's house when I was like maybe 14 or 15. Was there anyone that you were emulating or were you literally just trying to be yourself? I was probably trying to, uh, not, not, not even probably. I wanted to be Stevie Hyper D. <laughs> like as a kid, he was, he was the best. Like he had, he had everything that I loved. He could, he could sing. He had the hooks. He could rap. He had the dancehall flavor style. He was, he was like one of the best MCs like ever, in my opinion, because he, he wasn't just MCing his, when he would start a verse or something, they were actually songs. They were songs and people sung along to his shit, oh, yeah. like, like they were songs and people would go to see him like he was an art, like, like they would go to see a show of anyone putting on an actual show. Like I remember going, sneaking into raves because I was underage now and you, you say like, you know, hip hop came first for you lot. Hip hop, like actually going out to a hip hop dance came second to me because I used to sneak out as a kid and go raving. Because all my friends were that much older and they were all like, you know, five, six years older than me. Like they were all going raving and I used to sneak out and go raving with them because, because that was, that was our outlet of going out because actually I was too little and I wasn't in an area where they had any hip hop nights or anyone was, or that I found anyone that was much into hip hop that was really, really putting on hip hop stuff. So it was rave music. But moving back just a little bit, you mentioned the, uh, the older kids you used to hang out with. Uh, yeah. you also talked about, you have to forgive me. I, I forget the name of That's his right. podcast. Was it Mark Can't Rap? Was it that one that you were? Ah, uh, yes, Mark Can't Rap. That's Mr. right. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah, meant yeah, you mentioned yeah. on the the Mark Can't Rap podcast that you basically were uh, you kind of checked out and were simultaneously sort of forced out of school. Um, yeah. By the the institution asked, asked to leave asked to yeah. leave politely yeah. was I think the terms that they put it down as. 
So talk about that a little bit. So what was it that led to that moment? Uh, and what was um, it that led to you sort of deciding, you know, maybe this wasn't, wasn't a place that you wanted to be in? Well, I never not wanted to be there. They wanted me to not attend. I always showed up. Um, I could, I had many opportunities where I could skive off or not turn up to school. I always turned up because I actually quite liked school. Although I had a lot of horrible things happen to me at school, it was, it was where everyone was. Like, so I wanted to be there. Right. Um, oh God, like, um, what led up to me, to them asking me to leave? Um, I remember it being a long run of incidents, um, a long run of small incidents. There were some big incidents in there as well, but a lot of the time, not of the, not a lot of them my fault. I, I, I mean, the racism was something that I always had to fight against and mm-hmm. for. And it was at a time where you could tell the teachers they didn't give a shit. They didn't care. There was, there was like, I could tell them what people had said to me. All they would say is, well, you have to learn not to react, which, which is very difficult when, when like you're a boy and everyone is being very aggressive and boys are very aggressive like that. And like, you know, I used to have flipping, I remember like, in my first week or two of moving to Cambridge or of, of going to the high school that I went to in Cambridge, um, I was on the bus sitting down listening to my Walkman. This guy who would, who would have been four or five years older than me, really big. I'm, I'm, I'm little anyway. This guy was massive. I remember him being maybe because I was so little, but he was really, really big. Um, I remember him coming up, coming on the, the downstairs of the bus, you know, cause I wasn't, I wasn't popping enough to go upstairs on the bus. Do you know what I mean? I weren't, I weren't, I weren't one of the top deck kids. Right, right. That, cause like, you know, like, but it's true. Anyone that knows school, if you know about the double decker buses, man, you gotta have some game to be going upstairs. Like, and I didn't have no game, but I remember just sitting downstairs and I remember one morning my man getting on the bus and seeing me. He was obviously in a foul mood for whatever reason, seeing me coming walking straight up to me and kicking me in the balls and kicking me in the chest and then walking off like and saying some horrible words to me at the same time like now you've got to remember no one i'm i'm the first i'm the first black person that this bus has probably fucking had on it like so no one's used to a kid of my color no one knows everyone laughs and takes the mick out of me because how i dress because of how i talk yeah because i don't sound like how the people that sound like on the bus so for him to do that it's not that it was my fault but it was basically like you know you need to sit down and shut up and make sure you're not noticed and then them things won't happen to you that was that was what that was the response that i would generally get for these things like you know i remember being in the school um I remember having like, not necessarily arguments with teachers, but I'm a very straight person. And if I don't think something's right, I'll question it. And because I used to question them all the time, um, they hated that. And, and they would use that in, in any way possible to, to basically get me out of their lessons or out of their classes because they didn't like me. And like, you know, and because I'm black, I, I look different. And when I'm upset, I am different and my eyes are different. And, and like, you know, if I'm upset or I'm in a mood and I'm looking around, just looking like in my head, I'm just thinking about whatever I'm thinking, but because of the expressions on my face that they're not even used to, I, I would get told off for how I was looking. So if I was upset, set because of one of these crazy fucking awful things that would happen to me like i would then get more in trouble because of how i'm looking like don't don't you dare look at me like that well i'm I'm just upset i'm not trying to look at anyone in any way it's just how my eyes are 
Like, you know, I remember one time when I was at school, um, I got beaten up by some boys that were once again a lot older than me. They beat me up. It was, it was springtime. So I had a scarf with me and there was this pole with a hook just next to the playground. And after they beat me up, they basically hung me from my scarf by this hook, feet off the ground. They hung me. Like that's, that's the sort of shit that I had to deal with. Couldn't get down. Fortunately, a bunch of girls like that were a lot older than me that, that were always really nice to me. They actually came, picked, lifted me off and got me back down to the ground. But it's like, you know, like I had to deal with all of these sort of things. But even, even still now, when I tell people, they think I make these things up or they think I'm taking the piss or they're like, Oh, you're just trying to get attention, whatever. It's like, well, no. I don't talk much about these things because anytime I have talked about them, everyone is in such disbelief that these things can actually happen that I am once again pushed to the side because they think I'm trying to do whatever and trying to get whatever response. I'm not out here for no one's sympathy. I ain't out here trying to play the victim to no one. But the shit that I've lived is very mad and it's very, it's very different. And like for the times that we are in, in society, they shouldn't have happened to me when I was a kid. Like, you know, I got, I, I remember in the changing rooms at school, there was a kid that got, um, I don't know if you have it over in the States, but do you have deep heat? Do you have deep heat spray and deep heat rub? It's like, it's, it's, it's basically something that you put on your muscles to, um, when they're really stretched, but it kind of burns a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So someone, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone in the changing rooms put that on someone else's, on another boy's balls. Yeah. Because I'm in the changing room and all the boys are in the changing rooms, pissing ourselves, laughing. The boy who's had it done to him is running around with his fucking nutsack burning. The teachers come in and yeah, I'm lively. I'm loud. And, uh, you know, everyone else is sharp, has, um, has, has then turned quiet because the teachers come in. I'm trying to be quiet with everyone else. And then the teachers said a couple of things and I started laughing because we're boys and someone's just had their nuts sprayed with this shit that makes their nuts burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're all trying not to laugh. The teacher ends up picking me out and then basically beat me up in front of the other pupils. And then all that happened when, cause you know, I was in tears. The other pupils ran out and got other teachers. That's how bad it was. The other teachers come back and like, you know, it all stopped. All that happened was I got told not to go to his lesson again. Huh? Nothing happened to him. All that happened was I got told uh, I'm not, I, I don't have to go to his, I don't have to go to his lesson again. Right. Like, now, as an American, you know, I hear this and it's like, um, this all sounds super familiar. I mean, this is yeah, exactly. decades and decades right. and decades of, of what yeah, yeah, yeah. students yeah, of color have just... gone through in American schools. So is there, yeah. is this basically like the legacy of the school system in the United Kingdom during your yeah. time? And how much has it changed since then that you're aware of or has it? I mean, I worked in the teaching system in England for a long time. And what I saw, one of the main reasons was that, that I left was because I saw no change. I, I got as deeply as I, in, as I did into it because I wanted to make sure that no one was being treated like me. And unfortunately, when I found the ones that were, there was nothing that I could do about it. And there was nothing I could stop and do to stop what was actually happening because I couldn't. Um, and I saw this with many a young people that I worked with, all the ones of color, the exact, more or less, some of the exact same scenarios. I remember one boy in a place where I worked, 
he was really upset one day and because of how he looks, because of how his eyes were, because he was upset. His pupils were bloodshot. He was upset, man. The kid was, the kid was just upset because of how he looked at the people in charge. They kicked him out. Like, like, and, and they were con, and I just re- really recollect them going on about how he was looking at them. He was looking like he was going to kill us and all the rest of it. And it's like, he's a kid. Like, yeah, he might want to erupt, but he's just a kid who's really upset, who's just had something awful happen to him. Like, you know, and so, so do I think these things have changed? I think not as much as they should have done. Not as much as they could have changed. And probably not nearly as much as a lot of people think. Definitely. You know? Definitely not as much. Not as much as many people think. I, I say people, I, I, I tell people the things that I've witnessed in schools. I tell people the things that I had happened to me in school. And people are still in shock. That doesn't happen here. That's one of the main things that people will say to me. But that doesn't happen here. No, no, like, you know, because they're in denial. There actually is. Because it hasn't changed. So like, you know, them things like, yeah, that was horrible. But that's, but that's part of life and that's part of what's made me me. And that's part of what's made me the person that I am. Unfortunately, it's all part of our tapestry. At the time, so how old were you when you left school? Um, nearly 15. I was 14. 15. Okay. So time frame wise, how did that coincide with you starting to make music a thing for you? Well, I'd already sort of, I was already writing stuff anyway. I just didn't know what I was writing. I was always writing my feelings down. I didn't know what it was. And then, and then probably like within a couple of years of that, because, you know, one of my friends, he was very fortunate and for a birthday present, he asked for some, some techniques, 1210s and like he got them. Like, you know, he had, he had the basic belt drive ones before and then he got the techniques. And then once he got that, I asked one of my uncles that was into music. I was like, can I have a microphone, please? Cause I know you've got microphones and like he gave me a microphone. And from there, me and me and one of my best pals, we used to every Saturday, we used to go around his house and drink a bottle of brandy and basically just and basically play on his turntables. And I would play around with words. He would be mixing. We would swap over. We would swap back. Like that was, that was like one of the fun times. And then from, and then there, one of the other guys that I knew in a different part of town that I used to go around to his house, like, you know, he'd saved up for the 1210s and he got the 1210s and then everyone used to go around there and everyone used to buy their records and go around and try and have a mix and stuff like that. So it was like, you know, like, yeah, probably, probably like by, by, by 15, I was definitely trying by 16. I think, I think I've done like my first proper show for someone, which was their, like, I think it was their 16th or 17th birthday. And they rented out a hall and they were like, yeah, you're going to come and you're going to be on the mic and your mate's going to be on the decks. And I was like, wicked. And, and yeah, that, those were like my first tastes. And I'll never forget there was like another MC that was there at the time. And he turned around to me, you know, cause I've been practicing and I was just, just wanted to be good, just wanted to try and be good. And I remember him coming up to me and saying, yeah, you know what? You're all right, but you'll never be as good as me. I remember him saying that and I was like, wow, like that, that, that was my first example of like straight up, uh, ego rivalry. And I was like, damn, fair enough. If that's what, if, if, if that's what you think, mate, because in my head, like I was like, I didn't know what I was going to go on to do or be, but I just knew that I really loved it. 
And you can really, I think you can really tell the difference between people whose intentions are pure and people whose intentions aren't. And that's, that's one of the differences that I find, um, because it's the same with anyone for anything. Like you can, you can try to do anything you want, take away the whole like music and creative side of things and put this, add this to anything work wise. If someone's intentions are pure, you know that like you're going to be a safe bet with them and you know that they're going to come and do a really good job for you. Like when you, when you know people are only doing it for certain things, you can really tell that they are not there out of pure love and they don't have that purity in their heart. And that's something I always like look for in people in general, in, in general. I think just cause yeah, like, you know, people whose intentions are pure, like you can't front on them because they just want to do good and they want to make sure everyone's good. So you're out of school at 15, you're giving music a go. Uh, what, uh, what kind of jobs were you holding down during the time? Oh man. So like first job, um, well, like all through school, I was a paper boy. Um, <laughs> um they don't have paper then, boys anymore, man. Nah, they're gone, man. They're a myth. They're, they're, they're a myth, man. <laughs> I was so a I was a paper boy. boy. Um, and then, um, I used to work on the local market as well because, you know, man needed to make some money in it. So, um, so yeah, I used to do, I used to wake up at, uh, half six. I used to do my paper round. Um, then I would cycle into town. Um, and then I would set up the, set up one of the biggest stalls on the local market. Then I would catch the bus into school. Then I would catch the bus back home, back from school to the market, pack down the market. And then I would go home and essentially do a paper round as well. Man, you were busy. <laughs> yeah, probably. I've always been busy like that. So like, yeah, those were the, that, that was the first one. Then like when I left school, I got an apprenticeship to be a hairdresser because I loved hair. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to try and be a hairdresser. I didn't finish the apprenticeship because in the hairdressers I worked with in, there was a few guys that were gay, which I've got no issues with. But there were a few guys that were gay that worked there that were like part of the establishment of this hairdressers. When I started on my apprenticeship, there was um, two other guys that started with me. Um, by the time we were getting close to finishing our apprenticeship, them two guys, when they first started with me, they had girlfriends. They were busy. Yeah. By the time we were, our apprenticeship was finishing, they started going out with these other guys and they were dating men. Yeah. So, um, so because they couldn't get me to start going out with them, they basically made my life so difficult and they were so horrible that I left because I couldn't take it because I didn't want to do that. That weren't me. Like, like it's cool, man. I'll cut hair. I've got no issues with your sexuality. Fam. You do you. I left. And then, and then from there, I went to, um, one of my friends helped me out and got me a job and I ended up, um, uh, being part of a window cleaning business. And then I had enough of that and I went to bars, but I was still underage. So I managed to get a job working bars as an underage bartender. But because man like puts in work with whatever I do, it, like it doesn't matter what I do, but if the world, if like, if like my world of music ended tomorrow, I would go and walk into any job that I could possibly get tomorrow. So I've got a job right. and I will go and do it and I will go and do it to the best of my abilities. 
I, I was a kid. I needed a job. I knew people that worked at a local bar. I was expecting to get a job of being a glass collector or something like that. I've gone in and they've given me a job and they're like, yeah, you can work on the bar. I didn't say nothing, bro, because I'm not stupid. I'm like, I'm like, the glass collector's getting this much. The bartender's getting this much. I ain't saying nothing. I want that bartender money, bro. So man started <laughs> becoming the, so man was underage working the bar. And I became that good on the bar with the cocktails and all the rest of it. And I would sweet up the clientele that I could basically, you could, you could approach me and be like, yeah, I want a cocktail. I want this cocktail. And I'd be like, okay, cool. So you like these elements in this drink? Yeah. They're like, yeah. I'm like, what are your favorite alcohols? And what do you, and what are your favorite mixes and all the rest of it? And then I'd basically tailor make people's cocktails and be like, right. Okay. You like these flavors. Let me make you a special. So like, so like, you know, I, I was, I was this, I was an underage kid thinking about it. I don't really think about all these things now, but it's only when people ask me these questions, <laughs> I start to think about it. So like, so like basically you've got the underage bartender who was slowly becoming the top bartender in this cocktail bar. Like it was made, it was, it was a cocktail bar. It sold like all the standard drinks anyway, but it was a place where people would go to drink cocktails as well. So like, I'm now in this spot. And I'm making cocktails and I'm killing it making cocktails and I'm underage, but I'm doing that good that people from other bars started approaching me to go work at their bars because they were like, you're really good. You can come and work at our bar. Now, because I'm so honest, I got approached by this one bar that was, that, that like was a place that I couldn't even get into. Yeah. Because I'm underage, but yet they think I can work there, yeah, and their clientele and their people are all coming and seeing me working at the place I'm working at. So, like, so, like, they've approached me and, you know, like, you know, like, you know I'm a young, I'm a teenager, man, and um, uh, it was, it was, it had one male boss. All of the staff were female, yeah? They were all older than me and they were all really fit and they've <laughs> approached, they've approached me and said, yo, we want you to come and work at our bar. There was no men in their bar. I was the man. Like, and, and like, because I'm so honest, I turned around to them. I pulled them to the side. I was like, yo, you know what though? I've got to be real honest with you. Yeah. And you're not allowed. Don't grasp me up. And they're like, okay, what are you going to tell us? And I told them how old I was and they were in shock and they were like, but you're really good. And I was like, I mean, I just enjoy it. And it? it's well fun because it is really fun. Right. And it was really fun. And then, and then, so I told them how old I was and they were like, I'll tell you what. When you're actually 18, let us know and then you can come and work for us. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's a deal. And they checked on me consistently until I was 18. And then I was like, right, I'm coming to work for you lot. And then I went over there and like worked for them and I've done loads of jobs, man. But that was, that, that was one of the real fun ones. Like I love that. Like that was good. So was at what good. point, so, at what point could you, uh, could, did you, were you able to stop working? Like stop working like normal jobs anyway? What? And just do music? Yeah. Oh my God. Not until like, not until, a, not until more recently, man. Like, um, probably like, probably in the last, in the last, maybe I gave up my last job, um, about eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. Okay. Um, but, but, um, I had a company I was running, a, I was part of a company that was like, um, we would go and supply poetry workshops um to to schools and stuff like that so you know i'd left i'd left full-time employment put it that way but i um but yeah yeah and 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 from leaving full-time employment i basically um sort of started grafting a little bit harder in the music but i've always been involved in music because i've always loved it so i've always done it just out of passion 
and and lots of musicians that that like you know that I've that I've been around or worked with or that have brought me in, like they've all known that I am a guy for vibes, and if the vibes right, then I will come. Like it doesn't matter what the money is and all the rest of it. Now, unfortunately, my timetable doesn't allow me to do that as much anymore. Um, but if there's if there's something like going on that's got frequencies that resonate with me and I'm free and I've got the energy, I will go. <laughs> like, I will go and I will be a part of that. Because, like, yeah, music is life, man. Music is life, and it's so much fun. It's so much fun, man. Well, let's talk about your musical trajectory. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, they know you from drum and bass. They yeah. don't know. They don't know you before that, really. I mean, they're they're a bit, a bit familiar with it, but yeah. they might not know the details. So, how did you happen to go from doing hip hop to <laughs> being? I mean, really, so strongly identified with drum and bass music. Um. Well. I, well. Okay. So I've never. I never stopped being involved in dance music. So I went and done. I went and done loads. Of of hip hop stuff, and I had I had uh, I was part of a, a local crew called the Delegates of Culture, um, who were like were my gang. That was like the hip hop crew that helped me learn everything that I've learned. Um, and then also I got to tour with Task Force, who for me were are like one of the best UK things. Um, like you know they are so influential to a lot of the underground UK hip hop, like especially more of the actual UK hip hop, not necessarily the like the gangster rap style of UK stuff, but the actual more hip hop style of it. Task Force have got a massive um, stake of claim in, in in the influence that they've done. So I got to I got to tour with Task Force, like um, and and I just got, I got to go around man with my crew delegates of culture. You know we we flipping we we got to we've warmed up for. Um, Gangstar, um, De La Soul, like this is all in the early noughties, like, and then we started putting our, on our own shows where we we had like Ghostface, Fiddle Unit, uh, flipping um, uh, Faramonch, Ice T, like Nonfiction. We had loads of cats like come over, like, and you know, to uh, to actually come. So we were we were putting on these events, and we were supporting them, and the same time we were making music and then i started making my own music and putting out my own albums like separately to the crew because i just you know everyone needs their own output um because because we all need to make sure we get to say what we want to say um in the way that we want to the frequencies that we like so i think i think all of that like that was like the start of it and i just i just basically like made up my own record label and just started putting my own music out and, and it worked like people were into it like like you know i never was extremely big or made like loads and loads of money out of it but i got to express myself and i got to i got to express and hip-hop is the training ground but the back line of all of the hip-hop stuff is i was always going to drum and bass events and always going to rave events like in general and there was a local rave night that um that were very supportive of me and they basically like put me down as one of their residents so i was always in between all of the hip-hop stuff i was always coming back home to drum and bass 
Like, so it was never something that I've been away from, but because I've just always been into loads of music and back then the drum and bass side of things was definitely more locked off and it was very difficult to get into. So I just made music and like, you know, I, I tested out the early dubstep. I tested out some grime. I always loved the UK hip hop. I love reggae, like, you know, and like, and, and everything that that evolved from and to. So, um, I was always involved in all of them. And then drum and bass was always like my secret passion that I would be doing all of these other musics. And then people would be like, but where are you going off in such a hurry to? And I'd be like, well, I'm going to this drum and bass rave. And they'd be like, Oh, why are you doing that for? What you still like that stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. Like, I actually love it. It's the stuff that I really love. So I love it just, just, just like I love everything else, you know? And then I'd, I'd even have the drum and bass people be like, yeah, but why are you going to that UK hip hop stuff, man? Like, what's up with that? And I'd be like, but I love it. And, and like, you know, so I was always, I was always like in the drum and bass stuff. And like, you know, there's, there's a few heads that know and they can definitely vouch for the fact that Inja was, was never a newcomer. But I think what happened was, um, I finally started getting music in drum and bass to actually write and record to. Like, um, I think, I think like the first one that really made some noise was a tune called Ammunition with Logistics. Right. And, and, um, uh, all I remember hearing is Randall's got it and Randall played it and Rodigan pulled it up. And I was like, are you actually taking the piss? I was like, <laughs> Randall is playing a song with my vocal on it. And Rodigan pulled it up. And then Rodigan's pulling it up. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, like, you know, like, I don't know if that's like the fullness. I just remember it like being something like that. Or maybe Randall played it at a Rodigan night. But all I know is Randall played it. Rodigan was somewhere there and they all liked it and everyone liked it. And it got multiple pull-ups every time it got dropped. So, so like, that was like my first sort of taste of it. And when was that? Oh, that would have been like, I was like five years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four or five years ago. Um, and then from there, Serum. I've met Serum, um, probably about 10 years ago now, uh, when I was in Europe doing a, I was, I was booked to do dubstep. And then he was there with a guy called Pleasure and them two were doing the drum and bass afterwards. And like they heard me over the dubstep. And because we're both English, we're all English. We're all having a chat before the sets and stuff. And he's turned around and said, yeah, would you mind jumping on the set with us? Um, and I was like, yeah, no problem. So I jumped on the set with them and that was sort of worked. And then he said, yeah, you know what? When the time's right, I'm going to come with a bit of music. And then eventually, like, you know, years later, it's not that we forget about these things, but we'd seen each other in passing a few times. It'd be like, yeah, 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 man. When I've got it in my head, I'm going to call you. Don't worry. The thing with me is with music is you can't rush nothing. Everything happens in its own time. It's not even with music, with life. Like, because I've, because I've lived so much and I've seen so much in my eyes, like that the, my eyes have seen i'm very patient i know when someone's intentions are pure and when they turn around to me and say yeah do you know what i don't know when but i've got you in mind and when the right thing comes up i'm gonna call like so i'm not gonna turn around and start hassling them and be like yo you said you'd have me in mind i'm still waiting for that right thing like i'm never gonna be that guy but i do know when they do make the call I'm going to respond. So like eventually Serum made the call and he sent me a tune that ended up being Red Eyes that came out on Philly Blunt, which like, you know, like we made the tune anyway. And like, I really liked the tune. And he was like, yeah, 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 that is a killer. And then he's told me that it's going to go on Philly Blunt for Brian G and Frost. And I was like, are you mad? 
are you actually ma-? I was like are you actually mad and he was like yeah it's going to be on the Philly Blunt album I was like whoa I was like hold the press what man's going to be on the Philly Blunt album like as much as all the hip hop stuff and I love all of that like I was like yo these are the records that like you know I could never get because they were either always sold out or the friends bigger brothers had and like those had the tune those that was one of the labels that had the tunes like and I was like are you actually being serious I'm gonna be on a Philly, Philly Blunt release and it's like yeah and then like I remember speaking to Brian G about it and he rung me up and he started singing my words to me bro like and I was like <laughs> Like I, I, I was literally trying to hold myself in full composure for this conversation. I remember putting the phone down to Brian and screaming and just being like, Brian G just sung me my words. Imagine, imagine, yeah, if you took away Brian G and Frost and the record labels that they have. Yeah, I'm not saying that the music wouldn't have got out there anyway at some point, but like how monumental V oh. recordings oh and Philly God. Blunt Absolutely. are like like and that's and that's basically down to the taste of Brian and Frost. Yeah? Yeah. Like imagine imagine how different the landscape would be without them. Oh, it would be completely, completely different, man. Completely. Do you know what I mean? Like like they are like half the shit so that we look- see would would, be, would wouldn't even <laughs> <laughs> like you know and that's not doubting the musicians musicianship of like getting their music out and all the rest of it but them guys took chances yeah absolutely they took they took chances not that i'm not, i'm not saying no one else took chances or whatever but the amount of stuff that came from their labels like that are, continues that are to like, come from their labels pff, do you know what i'm saying like it doesn't it it, it hasn't stopped but that early phase is what helped build build the foundation for all of this stuff no, I know. That's like, why, that's why in the like, States we all went, we all went pretty ballistic when track started getting in with V and when his, do album, you know what I mean? when his album came out, we we're like, holy shit, American MCs just arrived. Bro. Yeah, bro. That's yeah, one yeah. you, but that's, but that's also the thing. That's, that's their man taking chances again. Yeah. They could have asked the whole heap of British guys. They didn't. They, they put a track album out, which no one was expecting. Yeah. You know, because, because, because that's how they've been with all the music. So like, so like that aside, like, you know, the Philly Blunt release with Red Eyes. And then I remember speaking to a um, new tone because he, he'd started, um, A&R in a hospital and new tone and logistics. They're local. To, they, they were local to Cambridge. So, um, so, you know, I'd, I'd always known them and new tone has always helped me out musically. Like with all of my hip hop stuff, I used to go to him for advice for mixing and mastering. Like, so all of, a lot of my early hip hop stuff that would have like new tone had an influence on that. So like, so like, you know, the tune's gone to Philly Blunt and then new tones turned around to me and said, yo, if you and Serum do anything else, like, let me know. Like, like, and I was like, what hospital really? And he was like, yeah, 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 no, nah, man, like, let me know. Isn't it? If it's good music, it's good music. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, I remember saying that to Serum and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. And then we made blow them away. Um, which, which I instantly loved. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to play this in my like sets. Cause I would go and, 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 and I still do. I would, but like back then I would do more of it. I'd go to festivals and I'd do lots of solo shows and I'd do shows with my crew or shows on my own as well as hosting, um, as, as well as hosting and emceeing for like, for sets. But when I would go and do these shows, once I had blow them away, I would always play blow them away in the set to the point where people were like, what is this song? And I was like, well, 
I don't know. It's unfinished. Like, if you want it to be finished, better chat to Serum, innit? I just play it live. <laughs> like, so, so, like, you know, like, I've done six months of touring that and just, and just playing that everywhere. And every time I played it, it's had an instant pull up because everyone's like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, well, no one's got it other than me. I was the only person playing it. <laughs> like, literally, bruv, the song wasn't even finished. Yeah, I was the only, but, but because I had like the demo version of the beat, I was playing the demo version of the beat because I knew what it would do live. I was like, Oh my God, I get to put this in my live show. I'm going to get flipping. I'm going to get some pull ups, bro. And I'm going to get some vibes cracking off this. Um, so yeah, like it, it eventually went to, um, hospital and then we made the video and, and then blow them away came out. Um, and then I think, um, um, I think hospital got me to do a song with a Nile, um, which I loved called between the sides. I think, um, a Nile, a wicked bad man producer, man, but he came with just this gritty like tune that I could just flex over nicely. So I remember like getting that and then, and then I think I'd done a thing with urban dawn and um there might have been oh yeah then there was smoke rings with logistics as well that went on a spy release and so all of these things started happening and and it was a bit mad and then i made flashlight with with whiny which was like one of my favorites but like it's one of the things when people send me these soundscapes and i really like them and i'm feeling nice and i've got the right energy i remember him sending it to me while i was washing up uh, and or cooking dinner one of the one of the two and i remember sending it back to sending him back my version in like two hours of him sending it to me and he was like what did you already have this as, as a song somewhere and i was like no nah, i just wrote it to the beat innit? i just wrote it and recorded it and he was like oh my god like you've got a good turnaround and yeah then like then that came out and i think you know i think i think there's a few that i'm missing so there was definitely a um blind eyes with hugh hardy and whiny before that because i loved that song and like you know there was a couple more here and there but i can't really jungle every day with born on road like that was definitely a part of it got to do an amazing video for that that i loved doing but that was sort of my ode to like to like jungle music man where i'd come from um but yeah like and then it just sort of all sort of cascaded and started to really roll and yeah it brings you to the trajectory of like close to where i am now and it's yeah it's all a bit mad thinking about it i don't normally think or stop and think about what's happened because i'm trying to always go forward it's, so, it's yeah so when the hospital signing happened uh mm-hmm. you know speaking of taking chances um no label surprisingly no label had signed mcs really um drs no. had put out a couple of albums Yes, but he put them out himself. He, though. you know, he wasn't like signed to a particular label. Like Hospital coming out with an actual MC signing, uh, and then quickly followed up with a signing, uh, with signing Degs. Mm-hmm. It was a really different departure for Hospital, and yeah. it was a different departure in terms of what drum and bass labels were about. Did they say mm-hmm. anything about uh, why they wanted to um, have an MC on their roster? Why they wanted to put out an MC-based album? Or was it one of those things that just seemed like, yeah, this is just what you do? Well, I think, I think it had got to the point where, um, I'd done so many collaborations on their label, um, that they, that the conversation bore itself up. Like, I literally think that's how it was because it got to the point where I had a, I had a new release coming out. I remember, uh, the back end of, yeah, 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 the back end of 2017, um, 
no, the front end of 2017 to the back end of 17, I remember that I was having a release out, like it felt like every month or every other month on Hospital Records. I was collabing with another one of their artists and I think it got to the point where they were like, yeah, they brought up the conversation. Just and when they, well, I think so because like, you know, I'd been, I'd been doing the work, like they'd seen me live and they'd, well, not, they'd, they'd seen me live as an MC. And they'd seen that I'm a bit different to how a few other, quite a few other MCs are, but I'm not really different. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am a combination of a lot of MCs. Like I am, I am these guys whose shoulders that I stand upon. I have taken influence directly from them all and I could never turn around and say, Oh yes, I am an original article. No one is me. Cause that's bullshit, bro. Like I am influenced and I am heavily influenced by a lot of the names that I mentioned earlier and all the hip hop names, you know? Um, and I think, I think they, they, they saw what I was doing as an MC and they saw how I was working with the people and they clocked on to, people were playing my music as well. Like, you know, people, people were playing the songs with me on them, which, which wasn't unusual, but it was, it, it wasn't very often that you'd have like an MC led vocal track that lots of people would play, let alone like I started putting out like in, <laughs> through them. I had one coming every other month and people were playing them and liking them and responding to them. And you got to remember they're a business as well. So, but okay, I but I I gotta disagree with your point. Um, we're all obviously influenced by a whole bunch of shit, but yeah, in terms of a persona, yeah, like you are very original in a lot of people's eyes, and so I I yeah. actually wanted to transition into this the the energy that you project, and I don't mean like performing energy, just the yeah. energy that you project as a person is very different mm-hmm. than. I think what most MCs would be readily identified with. You are yeah. known for being a, this hyper positive person. <laughs> um, yeah. Now for me, you know, for me, I grew up skating. So I yeah. was kind of raised on this steady diet of punk and hip hop and hardcore and metal and stuff like that. And so I'm a skateboarder the kid too, you know? Yeah, man. And, and the first time I had heard about, uh, the idea of positive mental attitude was through bad brains. Right. And so I have long struggled with maintaining a positive mental attitude. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I, my, my wife, uh, has helped me a great deal with, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things where, you know, the naysayers will tell you, well, positive mental attitude is the result of good fortune. And people mm-hmm. who are proponents will tell you that, no, it's what has driven my good fortune. And I want to know, like, are you intrinsically this positive person or is it something that you have had to work on and to develop for your own health? Basically. Um, I think from a very, very young age, I worked out that the only thing that can keep me sane and alive is to, regardless of what happens to me is to still smile it out because otherwise I've seen people go through, I've been through all sorts of stuff. I've seen people go through stuff. I've seen people break through various things that happen to them in life. I don't want to break and I don't want to falter. And I know that regardless of like all of the, cause bruv, like I can't even talk about some of the other madness that's happened to me. There's some things that have happened to me that are like, are you actually crazy? Like, 
it's nuts when I think back about it. But all I can do is, like, I'm still alive, bruv. I'm alive and, and I have a happy nature. My mum, I always remember, God bless her. Like, I always remember being little and waking up in the morning because this is how I am. I wake up in the morning and like, I'd come down, like, and I'd see mum and she'd be like, don't talk to me for half an hour. Um, because I was just an explosive ball of energy. So it don't matter how, it don't, it don't matter how hard you can give it to me or how hard I'll have it, whatever. I'll still, I'll still like, you know, be all right because I'll make sure I'm all right. This is the only way you can, bruv. Like you've got to look out for yourself. And I learned through being isolated, through being pointed out, through being, um, a minority, through being all sorts that I've got to look after me, bruv. And, and yeah, regardless of all the madness that happens, like, I'm alive. I'm alive, bro. And, and like, as bad as we have it over here, like, we still don't have it as bad as some. Like, and we never will. Like, and, sh- and shit is bad over here anyway, but like, there's always people in a worse position. And I think that's something that has resonated with me since I was six or seven years old. Like, that's how early I clocked all of this stuff. Like there are people that have it a lot worse, so you give thanks and you ha- and and like you work out a way to be happy, because boy, there are people that would kill for the minimum that we have, and there are, and so because of that, that's 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 one of the things that I've had in me from a from like I say six or seven years old, I clocked that, like actually clocked that, bro, like and I saw that firsthand, like okay, yeah like we can moan or whatever but as long as the bills are paid you've got a roof you've got shoes you've got something to keep you dry if you go out in the wet like you're all right like you are all right bro because there are people that would kill for that there are people that are dying to get that literally so like because of all that i learned that from early now how does your positive outlook on life and your uh your optimistic disposition how do you reconcile that when you do see things like continued racism or continued injustice or whatever? Um, obviously, it's not one of those things where, like, you know, you can't just start sulking all the time. But at the same time, um, there are people who might question, well, if you're so positive, how come you're not angry? Or are you, you know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, so- yeah, I've had people turn around and be like, you're passive aggressive, you're bipolar you're this, you're that. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I'm not any of them. Like, I'm, I'm just, I just, like, I don't know, bro. Like, I've, I, right, as a kid, yeah, I had to fight. Like, I actually had to physically fight. I remember being six years old, yeah, walking home from school on my own and being followed every day by this kid who was double my age, yeah, and he used to beat me up every day, yeah. And say the nastiest things to me, and like, and that's six six years old, bro. Like, so it's like you you either learn to deal with it, or like you or, or you let it break you. So you've like, still got you've still got faith in humanity, then. I have I have faith in humanity, um, but also I'm a realist, and I also see people's greed in humanity. I also see the egos in humanity, like you know. But that doesn't stop me from like you know like from the goodwill that I have for it. Because I can't not, 
Like, because, because, bruv, there are people that, that do good things all the time. There are people that are striving to try and do good things. There are also a bunch of horrible people out there consistently being horrible. Can't stop it. Like, I, one, can't stop it. I can put my voice to things. I can say whatever, my opinions or whatever. Like, I've had this all my life. Like, and that's what a lot of people don't get. And, and like, and like, you know, bruv, like, like, have you got kids? Not yet. Right. When your kid's six years old, imagine your kid being followed home from school every day and being beaten up by someone twice their age. No, I can't even yeah. imagine. Well, you know, the, Do you know what I'm saying? Those are the kind it's of like, things that, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you are in terms of this and, and it, it can be a very personal question for a lot of people. I don't know if you're a religious or spiritual person, but these kinds of things are what make people doubt their faith or doubt their their spirituality or doubt their faith in humanity or god or whatever and it can yeah. be very deflating so for people to maintain an attitude that is positive and uplifting uh, and project that attitude for people and encourage mm-hmm. other people to have that attitude is it's a remarkable thing in the face of what the kinds of things you have seen and experienced yeah I mean, because because what else is there to put out, bro? Like, why do I want to put out anything other than love when there's so much of everything else and there's so little of the one thing that we all actually need? Yeah? There's so little of it. Like, there's so little of it of, of real, of, of real love. There's a lot of fake love out there. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of really horrible stuff out there. Yeah? And the main thing that we all need is love. And when it comes to music, we all are happy to go to these places and be squashed like sardines with every kind of human being possible. We don't know what they're like in their day-to-day. We don't know what's happened in their last day, week, month, year, whatever. We know nothing about these people. Could be next to murderers, could be next to flipping the future prime ministers, could be next to anyone. But yet we're all willing to go to these places and absorb these frequencies together and for that moment be one, yeah? That is where my faith comes from. Yeah. Cause you can take people from all sorts of walks of life. You can take people from multiple countries in the world, like, and put them all in this one space and they're all happy for a couple of hours. So why would I then want to go up on that spot and not fucking try and exuberate, try and like, like, um, exuberate that happiness? Because they're like, you know, like, how can you not? Everyone's in that moment and they're happy. Why would I want to go up there and say a bunch of awful stuff to sink into people's heads and then have someone do something based on me wanting to be an ego-led whatever? Like, like, why? Why would I want to do that? Like, that's the one place where people feel safe. And regardless of whatever anyone's been through, everyone knows they can go to a dance and they can just fucking dance and they can let everything go. Like, why would I not want to bring love to that scenario? So going forward now, uh, is there anything that you haven't done that you really want to do musically? Oh, man, yeah, loads. Like, music can't done. Oh, I love music, man. I love every style of music. I want to be involved in, 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 every, in any kind of frequencies that, that make me happy. I want to be involved in. Is there anything that I haven't done? I don't know. I haven't been offered the opportunities yet, or the opportunities haven't worked their way to me, or I haven't worked my way to them opportunities yet. Uh, no, but, that, but that's what I mean. Is are, are there things that specifically that you want to work towards that they are eventual goals for you on the horizon? 
uh, the eventual goal would would I'd love to do a world tour as uh, doing my solo show as a world tour, bringing all of the elements of all these musics that I have around the world to people and to see if actually like this version of UK dance music slash rap slash culture could be accepted all around the world and go and actually perform concerts where people could actually come and they want to listen to my words as well as the music. That I think is one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Gonna bring Pete Cannon with you on that one? Oh man, I'll bring Whiny with me, bring Pete, bring all sorts, bruv, like bring them all. Like like yeah, bruv, I'd love to do that. But um but yeah, like, you know, that's that that would be that's one of the end goals that I'd like to do. Now have you been to North America yet? Nope. You have not. So when's that gonna like, change? I have not. I don't know. I don't know when the opportunities arrive and come. I've had people turn around and be like, Yeah man, just get a flight and we'll come over and sort it out. But I am not going anywhere near your your states until I have the correct visa to do so. Growing uh, up in England, growing up in England, being a young black man, yeah, with all the hassle that I have to go through, being black in England, yeah, are you are them guys crazy thinking that yeah, I'm just going to come over to work with no visa? You're mad, yeah, like man. you're mad, bro. Like, I've been to like, many a rave in Toronto where. Headliners couldn't show up because they didn't have the right visa, man. <laughs> Many raves. I don't want to be that guy. I don't yeah. want to be that guy, bro. And it's not like, yeah, everything has to be prim and proper, but for certain things, that has to be correct. And I would not like, I've, I've had people offer me from the dubstep days to flipping like to now. And people have been like, yeah, man, come over for a few weeks or whatever. And we'll, we'll, we'll like take you around and we'll do some shows and whatever and whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, like, you've got a privilege that I don't have. And like, and based on all the news stories, the music and everything that I have absorbed from American culture as a black British person, I'm not stepping foot over there until everything is all completely sorted. So no one can say anything to me. Yeah, no, I guess there's no, cause there's no way I'm getting on a plane to go over there to be sent back. So what's next now? I don't, I don't know, uh, how your hospital contract is. I, I'm assuming that you are locked into hospital, but you have a little bit of wiggle room to work with other labels. I mean, because you were on Souped Up recently. Was that recorded before you signed or? Um, no, well, I am, I am with hospital. Um, I, I signed a one album deal with them. So fingers crossed. Um, we'll see if they want another album. Like, you know, there was a, there was a clause in it for them to get another album out of me. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, don't know yet. That's, that's down to them. But like, you know, I am, I am currently a hospital artist. I still get to make music freely with, with people that I love to make music with. I'm not someone that would just make music for the sake of it or make music just for the money of it. I have to, I want to make music with people whose music I love and whose music really resonates with me. Um, so, so like, you know, I'm very fortunate that that's, that that's how I can be. Um, yeah, you know, fingers crossed they'll ask me to do the other album and then that would be all of my contract fulfilled. But like, you know, we'll see what happens. Like it's, it's all timing and also I don't rush stuff. And after, um, after the mad run of shows and all of the writing that I've done last year and all the collabs I've done this year, I've kind of, I kind of told everyone that I'm having a sabbatical. Because, because I want to, um, actually enjoy what I'm doing as well, uh, because it's been a massive steamroller affair. Um, 
but then you know I say I'm, I've, I've been having a sabbatical but there's still like a new tune of mine coming out every month or so <laughs> <laughs> so like you know I mean I mean if that's if that's me having a sabbatical you lot are ready for when I decide to go full on work mode like you know I don't think anyone's really ready for that <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to that it goes back to that thing with my mum where I would wake up in the morning and she'd tell me not to talk to her for for half an hour because I'm just that full of energy so imagine imagine this is me when I've been like working really hard and travelling around loads imagine when I get to take a rest and then go in fully charged up then that's going to be a madness yeah for sure so I'm going to let you go mm-hmm um, but yeah, well, that's I, fine, man. I Have you got everything that you needed? <clears throat> yeah. Well, fuck, man. We could talk for hours, right? But yeah, I, I definitely, yeah. man. I I really appreciate all the time you put in here. Um, I'd like to listen to it before it goes live. Yeah, that's no problem. If that's cool, just so just in case. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I got to go in and edit and, and and stuff like that. And there's you know. a lot to edit, man. How long? How long is it going to be? Is it actually going to be an hour talking to me, or is there going to be like? Oh, I think. I mean, we got an hour and twenty raw here, so mm-hmm. I think it'll probably be an hour. I mean, most of the conversations are roughly an hour. Uh, fucking Cleveland Watkins had me on the phone like two hours, man. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, but he's MBE, bro. He's an MBE. Dude, I could have talked to him forever, man. Just because his whole like, career outside of drone base is so fascinating. Do you know what I'm saying? That's oh. what I'm saying, but man's an MBE. He did not get that from drum and bass, G. Like, like he, <laughs> he toured with The Who when I was in eighth grade. I'm like, fuck. That's yeah. what I'm saying, bro. Like, man is like Cleveland, bro. Like, yeah. people don't get it. No. That's what, like, you know, he's one of the gods. Oh, like, for sure. Like, all of these guys, when I say that I stand on the shoulders of gods and some people, like, don't get it, and they're like, yeah, but what do you mean? No, man, they're just a bunch of MCs and all the rest of it. Like, the caliber of these people and what they have come from and what they have done in and around music, excluding drum and bass, jungle, whatever is a madness it's actually crazy when you sit down and really start to look at it all oh absolutely and man a fucking it, for me to have him on was like i was like i was completely geeking out completely yeah. geeking out because i i mean i was I, i've known about him since you know since the 90s because i remember I, I bought uh the cd the promised land volume two and it was fabio yeah. and him and i was like whoa this dude is he's like singing it was totally different you know, when I heard it, like him and Conrad, I was like, oh, these are like, this is different shit. This is the kind of stuff I kind of want to get into. But yeah, man, it was a geek moment for me to have him on. So, but, uh, no, dude, I appreciate you being on here. And there's a lot of people actually, um, friends of mine that are, were are asking, you going to try and get Inja on? I was like, yeah, yeah I'm going to try. We made it happen, man. We made it happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate got it, man. It. You got it, man. Thank cool, you man. very much, man. Thank you. I'll talk to you All soon. Right, you have a good day. Will do. Take care, man. All right. Easy.
It's the first seen fact There's no turning back Step into the black Everything's black The dark is the first seen fact There's no turning back Dark places, lights, low colors go Behind my pupils there's nothing that's visible to show Blacking out with every blink I take I make it known My eyes spray the darkest matter that you'll ever know They keep me blindfolded till they want their weapon though Then unleash I turn to cease and then my eyes explode Color everything visible that's up in my zone They close my eyes man, a black is all I see and so Damages, relieve your sight, feel the eyes of every anarchist. Devil's advocate, that's cause I'm passionate. I see the outcome is stirring potions, they counterfeit. They keep me under lock and key the dirty savages. Eyes shut until it's time to kill the canvases. I dare you come step into the black. Everything's black. The darkest ever seen fact. There's no turning. 